This is a Billionaires in Boxes production. Hello and welcome to this edition of Billionaires in Boxes with me, your host, Phil Paluccia, the Digital Business Connector. Uh, I am joined today by Christian and Michelle from Right on Time. How are you doing, guys? Really, really well. Really Thank good. You, We're excited. Thanks, Phil. It's nice to have you here, genuinely. I mean, we've, we've got to know each other, I, I call it off-air, I guess. We got to know each other off-air uh, in the weeks building up to this and... Um, it's it's nice to interview somebody from my hometown as well. I think I think you're actually the first Warringtonians on the podcast, so congratulations. Oh, we'll take that honor. We will. Yeah, we'll it's a hometown gig for us. I like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know what? It, it, it's somebody was asking me this the other week, and they were saying, "How come? Sorry, why do I feel that I have more Americans and Canadians on the podcast than I do Brits?" And I, my the only answer that I could come up with was. I kind of feel like they're more open to that whole networking for the sake of networking kind of piece. Like I often find that Brits quite like to have a reason <laughs> to have a conversation. Whereas North Americans in general would just be kind of like, let's just see where it goes. Let's see where this takes us. Very so, true. A lot, lot more free and liberal like liberal yeah, policy, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think Brits are by nature a little bit wary of networking. Yeah, you kind of have to feel people are when you're you know, just asking about the weather. Yeah, whether that's actually going to be allowed or not uh, as a point of conversation. And then you can kind of take it forward from there, depending on the reaction that you get. But I think Americans and Canadians Mm. are more open in general, definitely. Mm. Very friendly. Well, it depends what side of the country you're at here as well, doesn't it? Because, I mean, you could could ask somebody, using that example, you can ask someone the weather up north and you can make a best friend for life and just have a chat. You can ask someone down south and you might get coffee poured over you or get give, 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 give a bit of an elbow <laughs> get, get to make eye contact with um, a person you know like what's wrong with this guy wanting yeah. to talk about the weather an individual south oh, of yeah. looking at us as if well why on earth do you want to talk about the weather but yeah no you're right i mean you can be at a, a bus stop here in the north and um talk about the the rain and you've yeah you've got a best friend like when we were what? we went to new york on honeymoon and mm-hmm. we had a wall street banker in starbucks invited us to his um Halloween party. That's right, yeah. In his apartment. Love it. He was preparing for a job interview. He was wasn't preparing it? for a job interview, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm having a party later. Do you want to come?" And we were like, "Oh my god!" I mean, even for for us Northerners, I mean, that was quite that yeah. was quite bold. Yeah, you know, just to be yeah, come, come and join the party. But uh, yeah, great times, great memories. Did, did you well. go? No, we were we, we were no. we were scared. We thought, what if it was like Patrick Bateman? Vibes from American <laughs> <laughs> In the Wall Street banker. Um, oh, oh, like, oh part, yeah, you did say to me, well, what if he is uh, the real life Patrick Bateman? God love him. He might have just been a really genuinely lovely guy. Well, but oh, anyway, we, we, we were on Honey Moon. We were cautious Brits. Yeah, we were cautious Brits, yeah. <laughs> He'll never invite a Brit to his party <laughs> ever again. Like all these years later, it's like I invited them and they didn't come. And they clearly don't want to be friends with us. <laughs> yeah, maybe I had to go return some videos. Starfall for sure. reading Brett Easton Ellis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, Scarf Life. But you know what? It, it, it's that mixture, isn't it? Of um, And I'm sure our American listeners won't mind me saying this, but it's that mixture of, wow, they're such friendly people and they have more serial killers per capita than anyone else in the world. So who do I be friends with? It's like I will be friends with you in a public place, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm not going anywhere private with you. We, we were on a, we were on good ground in Starbucks, I think. Yeah, we yeah. were like we'll have, okay. we're, we're quite safe in Starbucks. Yeah, we're safe yeah. here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I can see the Danishes. I've got my coffee. <laughs> I feel safe. 
very calm though for his job interview. Yeah, he was proper chill for his job interview. Very collected and um, he just yeah. said, yeah, if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. It was very... He probably invited them to the party. <laughs> yeah, probably did. Yeah, yeah. yeah probably. <laughs> Yeah, I've really enjoyed this interview. Do you want to do you want to come for a few drinks? <laughs> yeah. Don't want to put that chainsaw to waste. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I need someone's face. <laughs> oh, I love. Well, see, we've already gone on and gone off yeah. on a tangent. We're off um, hole now. With, um... We've we've got this is a strange rabbit hole to go yeah. down as well. I didn't think we'd go here. Um, yeah. But look, we we actually met during uh, one of your five day challenges, of which you have another one coming up so it'd be good for you to to tell our listeners about that as well but um do you want to kind of just explain where where the kind of idea behind that came from and what was the motivation absolutely go ahead michelle yeah yeah you lead on so we are a husband and wife team Mm -hmm. we're both former news reporters so we worked in real life newsrooms over here in the uk for the local regional and national press and that is in fact how we met each other like Lois and Clark, the strong Superman vibes. We literally shared a news desk together and fell in love. And then all these years later, we're running our own PR agency. And yeah, I've been together 16 years now. We have, yeah. yeah and it, wow. we kind of, it's, it's blown by, actually. Yeah. It was our wedding anniversary, I think. Um, 24th of October. 24th yeah. of October, yeah. So we've kind Congratulations. of... Congratulations. Thank you very oh, much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And we... Um, we work with a lot of business owners and the first thing we say to people is you need to tell your story and we always hear the same thing back to us and it's like oh who would be interested who wants to know about me I'm so ordinary I'm so dull I'm so boring I wouldn't know what to say Um, and over here in the UK Brits have a huge thing about blowing their own trumpet which Mm -hmm. basically means that you kind of like tooting your own horn it's like not seen to be the done thing to do. Um, so people have a lot of mental blocks around promoting themselves in terms of visibility. And we kind of wanted to give people the tools and the confidence to actually go out there and get the message out about what they do. Yeah, just have a bit of self-belief and to, to be able to recognise as well what, what a good story actually looks like and that they do already exist within your company. It's just a case of identifying it. And then, as Michelle mentioned, having confidence to take it forward and put it out there into the world. Because if, if you don't do it, then the chances of another person doing it on your behalf are, are quite slim, really, quite remote. Yeah. Mm, I mean, that that second part in particular was definitely something that I that I personally picked up on um, in terms of what, what constitutes a good story. Um, I think many business owners, we're, we're, we're so busy looking internally at what's going on or we're you know, maybe looking slightly external when it comes to looking at ourselves and our customers, but it, the, the field of perception doesn't really go much further than that, does it, in terms of a, this would be a good story because people would gain from this because we can add value by sharing this. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? It must drive you mad, actually um in terms of uh, you know people tell you stuff and it's like yeah but what's interesting about me and you're like are you are you nuts like there's loads like we've just had like five things come up in this conversation that would make yeah. a good yeah. story it's but, very true that i mean i don't know we kind of approach it more from a point of um a lot of care i think i, mean, I think we enjoy like don't it's we? an yeah. education opportunity yeah. really just to say look you know 
how many times do you meet someone in a business context and they tell you what they do and you're like oh my god you're like the most cool person you're so creative and you're so uh, remarkable but we can't voice that for ourselves we sit in this Mm. place feeling very ordinary and it's just a new way of looking at yourself and your own business through a different perspective and see how a stranger might perceive you and I think the other thing is as well as obviously you know the end game for a lot of people is they want to be visible in the press because they'll get more Mm. customers and make more sales but also you can have a duty to tell people how you can help them because if people haven't heard about you and you're your own best kept secret then how can they make the choice to reach out to you if you've got something that they genuinely want and need? And that's the place that we sit in in a lot of times. It's about obviously increasing your visibility to bring those sales in, but it's also being that person who can put their hand up and say, I'm over here, this is what I do, this is useful for X, Y, Z reason, and helping to join those dots because not everybody will find you on social media. No, they might not have have, um, social media presence or anything and and it might be that they do still choose to take a local newspaper you know that they have their dedicated favorite paper of the week or or their their daily or whatever and having that that kind of um shifting mindset where you're thinking about being more visible tapping into maybe a resource you've not thought about which is to have people who purely get their news either online or um through through reading a traditional paper you're opening up the opportunity to get in front of more people and the way that we we market it to people because it's the truth, is it's actually thousands of potential customers who are now going to get eyes on your business. They're going to learn about why you do what you do, which is really important because if they believe in the reason behind why you do what you do, and they make that connection with you, then it goes back to the old adage that people buy from people. So if they can look at your journey and think, oh, wow, okay, I've really connected with that individual because there may be things that they've experienced which are in alignment with, with, with who you are as a person or they may they may mirror the belief systems, for, uh, for instance, that, that you may have. So in order for you to build up some kind of um, identity of a person is really, really powerful because you remember that person more clearly. And then when the time does come to embark upon maybe recruiting a person for a particular product or service, you're going to have them in the forefront of your mind. Mm, definitely. I think it's the fact that it's so relevant to people at lots of different levels of business as well. So, you know, we're, we're obviously talking about being able to get somebody that first, you know, media exposure. They've, they've never been covered before. Like they, they, they've got that whole imposter syndrome thing going on. You know, what are people going to think when they see me in the paper? You know, all that kind of stuff. But actually, you know, it, it, it goes further than that as well. And the lessons that you can learn apply at different levels. So, you know, speaking from personal experience, my aim was to actually have uh, media coverage is now part of my strategy moving forward because I'd had media experience before and it had done exactly the things that you've just said. It worked out really nicely when it came to, we had clients approach us. Um, we've had it even where people haven't approached us, but it's come up in conversation where we've met them one way or another and they've went, oh yeah, I saw an article about you in this. And it's it, it's that instant credibility, isn't it? And it's, it's the memory thing, but it's it, it's also the understanding a bit better how the media actually works because you know i think a lot of people wait for the phone to ring or they wait for this morning to be doing a story about the thing that they do and they're just going to find them on google and pick up the phone and and i don't think i mean i'm i'm confessing this from my own 
perspective as well. I don't think I quite realized how much that stuff is pitched, like how many things that are covered are actually because they've been pitched and not because the, the journalist, the reporter, the, the radio producer, the television producer has gone out to find them. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can choose to be as proactive with the press as you can with any marketing function. So you can weave that into your overall marketing strategy. And that's something that we absolutely recommend. Oh, yeah. It's almost like the it's a game changer. It's like the poor cousin or the forgotten friend. You know, people instantly think of like social media or I need to have an email marketing strategy or I need to do leaflet drops and my blog has to be um, amazing. And then they just don't even think about the press. And what we always say is, Obviously, we support all of those other methods of getting your of the word out there. But in terms of like reaching the biggest number of people in the quickest and easiest and most credible way, the press is streets ahead of those other platforms. You can literally plug in away on your social media account and maybe marginally growing your audience day to day. But the second you get your story in a newspaper that's got a readership of a literally tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands yeah. of people. It's got a big title, yeah. If you had to put a financial cost to that in mm. terms of uh, Facebook advertising spend or a time commitment that you would have to be plugging away on social media to get the same result, you can see straight away why getting in the press is the quickest, fastest and easiest route. And also it comes with the bonus of credibility yeah. because it's not confusing mm. to promote yourself. It's an existing media outlet choosing you out of the all the possible businesses they could feature. They're choosing to put you on those pages. And that credibility sticks. Like yeah. um, It's very know, impressive. It's really impressive. And that's why you see people say, as seen in or as appeared. Yes. And, and it, it attaches that credibility to you in your personal brand. And the other thing that we kind of see as well is people treat getting in the press as like a, a bucket list objective. They're yeah, like, it that I'll just do it that one time and, you yeah. know, if it happens... Mop the brow and then never do it again. Yeah, yeah. And, and really what we're advocating is that this is something you do with the frequency that you would any other form of marketing because it's that <laughs> drip, drip effect, that staying present, staying visible. That's where you get the best results. Do you typically find that those people that want to appear once and then kind of say, it's, I've ticked it off, now it's done, is that is that a vanity metrics thing or is that a um, an imposter syndrome thing? Like, I've appeared once, I shouldn't push my luck, I'm not going to do it again, or is it that I've been in the paper so I'm great and, and that's it, now I've made it? Do you want to go ahead with that first? Because I think I don't know. I think we're definitely in agreement with, yeah, with the view on that. But do you want to begin that one? Because we're not talking on top of each other. Then a people think it's so difficult to do that the one time they yeah. accomplish it, they think I'm going right back to, down to the bottom of the mountain again, and I'm going to be pushing this boulder back up the hill. And it's like, oh, if I've done it that one time, I've got to think of another story. And mm. it was hard enough to think of the first story. <laughs> Getting sights up to do it the first time so it cannot be underestimated. For a lot of people to get into that headspace of actually putting yourself out there is yeah. a huge thing for them to do because it, it kind of tricks off a lot of, I think, a lot of issues around confidence, around, um, yeah, as you mentioned, maybe an underlying sense of imposter syndrome, uh, you know, things like what will friends and family think? Will, will people think I'm being vain? Will people think that I am blowing my own trumpet? You know, because it's, it's this very British thing that, 
blowing one's trumpet is is seen to be such a such a negative and such a, um, a difficult thing to do, and, and and people shy away from it all the yeah. time. But blowing your own trumpet when it comes to the press, it, you're not actually even doing that. You, you, what, what you're doing is you're providing a news story that has got so much worth and credibility to it that's inspiring and that is needed because reporters are only going to cover a story if it's of, of interest to the public, to their readership, and to, to their audience. They're not going to put a thinly veiled advert into their newspaper or magazine because that's no, what no, nobody is. wants to read that. We're, we're getting battered with those things on social media that you know everyone's tired of that. So no, I'm I'm completely with you that that's not it's not what people want. And actually, that's where you know I've seen people who say you know I've had conversations with clients about press for example because when you talk about that borrowed credibility piece you know we do a lot of that work in our coaching when it comes to global networking and podcasting because one of the things that i always say to people is you know somebody googles what you do and you come up in 50 interviews with the industry leaders and top people many of whom they've read their books been to their webinars been to their courses it's that borrowed credibility aspect as well it's a well if those 10 people know like and trust him then i'm going to trust him too um, and there's, there's definitely the same for media. Like I was, I was saying to somebody recently, you know, when somebody appears on the BBC and there's that little caption at the bottom, you know, best-selling author and coach or whatever it is, says, right? It's like how many people actually go and research whether that person is the credible expert, is the leader in the industry that the news should be speaking to? It just, it just doesn't happen. There's a, there's a level of credibility that comes with the well, if the BBC is saying it, or the Times are saying it, or this paper is saying it, then it's got to be true, and. It, and there's a lot of power and strength that comes from that, isn't there? Of course, yeah, because Absolutely. they're established outlets and you know that when they are putting it out there into the world that, yeah, they're an award winner or they're a best-selling author or blogger or influencer or whatever it happens to be that they do, because you know, for instance, The Times has been in existence, you know, for, for so many years and, and um, you know, the, the likes of the BBC, you know, it's our, it's our flagship. Like you know, an institution. It's an institution, exactly. So when, when people give you that information, you do absorb it and you do trust it because I mean that that is the, the key word as, as Philip mentioned. That it is about trust. It's about building up a rapport with your audience where it gets to the stage that when you're being fed your news and you're consuming it, you you trust it. It's almost like you wear it a bit like a security blanket in many ways. People take their news from preferred outlets because they have their own way of digesting news, and then you get to the stage where you know what to expect and you you know what you're going to receive. And likewise, the reporter knows what to give you and how to give it. That's how they retain the audience. And also, like, you would never see somebody put on their bio, like, as seen on Facebook, as seen on That's Twitter. That's true. As seen on Facebook Live. <laughs> like, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. It's because when it comes to social media and email marketing, you are the driver. You're the person who's putting yourself out there. Whereas when you flip that that role and it's a trusted third-party person who's choosing to talk about you, the credibility rub that you get is, is it just, I would say it's um, um, pivotal in terms of leveling up. Yeah. So if mm. you want to level up your business, if you want to scale up, grow your business, change how it's perceived externally, working with the press to get your visibility is so important. And things like, if you want to be Facebook verified, one of the questions they ask you is to link through to press coverage. Yeah, it's one of the requirements. It's, it's one of the requirements. Yeah. So even for just something like verification on Facebook, or if you are 
entering into industry awards, mm. very often in the supporting evidence section, they will say, share your press clippings because it's the judges, rather than them going away and having to research your business, they're thinking, well, if this trade publication saw fit to publicise this business, then clearly they've done their legwork and, and I can comfortably tick that box. So it's a way to kind of change the way your business is perceived. But also, we always talk about it actually changes how you see yourself as well yeah. in terms of how you look at yourself. Um, it, it, it's a massive leap forward in terms of mindset because it's not just you talking about how great you are. It's somebody external to you choosing to put you in the spotlight. Yeah. And, and that's the mental health that is so mm. important as an entrepreneur. I think if you've never been in, in the press before as well, just uh, building upon what Michelle mentioned there, there's a feeling of arrival with it. You feel like you've actually come onto the scene when, when you do get that first piece of press coverage. And more often than not, while there are many people who do get that, that piece of coverage that they've been craving and then they do want to kind of retreat back into the shadows and never do it again, there are a lot of people that get really, really ignited by it. We, we've seen it, the yeah. shifting people where they go, right, I've got into the local press now, I want more. Now I want to go national, I want to go regional. I want to so go international. I want to go international. So for a lot of people, they kind of take that initial step forward of thinking, right, I've arrived. I am now in front of people who I never got in front of before. I have got all the validation and credibility behind me now. I've been recognised by a news outlet, which is completely impartial. I haven't paid for an advert here to be featured. I have been featured purely on my own merit because I have got something to tell which is relevant, current and newsworthy. So just as often, just for the point of balance here, as, as many people who kind of do retreat and think about it and never do it again, in terms of getting press, there are a lot of other people where it is a very, very definitive. Yeah, they run with it. They yeah. keep that momentum going. And those are the people who, in our view, um, although we understand why other people take a little bit longer to get to that point, the people who really run with it, they are the ones who, who more likely get to where they, they want to get to a little bit quicker yeah. because they're harnessing the press in a, in a really, really effective way. I think I probably fell into a third camp. I was definitely somebody who wanted to run with it but had no idea how. Um, so I, my, I mean, I've had press coverage before and it's been some local stuff, some regional radio and then a handful of nationals. But it's it's always been very organic. It's always been very ad hoc. I didn't pitch I would be at an event and some, or something and it was written up there. But the one that was a real game changer for me and I often think back, especially having done your course and stuff now, I, I often think back and think, I really missed the trick there. I, I missed I missed the boat. Um, was I was speaking over in China at an event, and I ended up uh, as one of their keynote speakers. And they did a write up about the three day event in Campaign Asia, which is one of the biggest tech magazines out there. And I ended up on the front page. It was my picture. It was Phil Palucci summed it up best when he said this. And like the first two paragraphs of the article for this three day event were about me and my talk, and. What ended up happening as a result of that, I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know that was happening. Um, in fact, I found out at Beijing Airport when the guy I was working with back in the UK was like, have you seen this? And I was like, no. What ended up happening was, um, first it was China and Korea. I would get calls from news channels there saying, would you come on and either give us a quote or would you come on and do a short interview and just sort of talk to us about the industry? And then you talk about that credibility piece and that people trust you when you've been seeing a publication. I also found that that worked for other media publications. So it was like 
publications in the UK, like the BBC and Sky, started to say, well, he's appeared on there and there, so we should talk to him too. And then that led to Fox and CNN and a couple. So I got some big channels. But then it was yesterday's news at one point, and it just kind of went, finished. And and there was no more phone calls. I get like one occasionally, but there was nothing else that came from that. And now speaking with you and doing your course, I realized that that was the time I should have been utilizing that and having a story stood on the shoulders of that to say, I did this and this with them. And here's what's going on now that we need to talk about. Um, but I didn't know that, you know, so all I did was kind of think, well, I'm just going to wait for the next phone call. I'm just going to keep putting myself at these events and wait for someone else to call me, which is a very difficult way to kind of scale your business using that as a strategy, just hoping that someone's going to write about you. Yeah, but uh, you yeah, yeah, you're not unique in that, no. especially no. when people accidentally, and I use that in loose terms because obviously something you said at that conference was deemed to be newsworthy oh. and they thought sure, this yeah. is the guy we want to put on our front cover. But I think sometimes when that happens and you've not been an active agent in making that coverage appear, you can fall into the trap of thinking it'll just keep yeah. happening. I've been spotted once, I'll be spotted again. Yeah. So, the most the best time to start anything is always now so now you've had that recognition now you've had that moment of realization and reflection you just think well how do I make sure that that doesn't happen again and you know how can I put myself in a strategic position to build on that coverage that I've previously had if a portfolio of their media coverage and add to it but you know please don't um, worry about that, Phil. I think the most important thing is you recognise that there is an opportunity to do something in a different way, and you've and you're making fantastic progress now. You really are. Thank you. No, I, well, look, I, and I, and I, I will say this on air because hopefully it will give. Um, you know, I've yet to leave you a recommendation, which I still need to do, actually. But, you know, I I took your advice on this five-day course and put it into practice, and it's led to, you know, podcasts with USA Today. It's led to major publications internationally. So, like, the advice that is given is is, is absolutely phenomenal, and, and it is, you know, I, I, I highly, highly recommend it. I mean, you're doing a lot of great work at the moment. You mentioned, you know, blogging earlier. Um you now have an award-winning blog, don't you? You're now top-ranking bloggers. <laughs> yes, I love it. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, you you go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we, I would say probably about uh, 18 months ago, ago now. We can, it be now? I yeah. think roughly about 18 to 20 months ago, yeah. we came to this growing realisation that there was a lot of business owners, and particularly female business owners, that were struggling to see themselves as newsworthy. Mm. And we were having the same kinds of conversations over and over again. Tying very much um, into what we were talking about a little earlier, really. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Across sectors from startups yeah. all the way through to seven-figure ventures. And a lot of these female entrepreneurs were saying, I can't see what my story is. I don't feel anybody would be interested. And we just got to this point where we were like, we have to do something about this. We have to show these women that they are worthy of being seen and that what they have to say is important and and help them to show that they have got something of interest to say. So on International Women's Day um, back in 2019, we launched a blog, um, the She Can 365 blog, and it was hosted by our good friend, 
um, and business partner, Helen Pritchard. She's a multi-award winning online marketing specialist. And she literally got the blog up and running within the space of 48 hours. And with her contacts, we were able to get the first view into yeah. the motion. get the yeah. wheels in motion. Yeah. Um, she financed structuring the blog and things like that. And what we set out to do was a really bold mission, but it was to interview 365 female entrepreneurs over 365 consecutive days and tell every single story in exactly 365 words. Yeah. Just the two of us. Just the two of us doing all the interviewing, uh, all, all the writing. We did it all completely um, free of charge yeah, as well. Yeah, completely free of charge we, with we the did. full consent and approval of every every contributor that we talked to yeah and uh, unbelievably yeah we uh we managed to pull it off we did yeah. we published a different story every single day including like christmas day our birthdays and towards the end of the um 365 days yeah the, it, it snowballed and snowballed yeah. we had like literally, word of mouth was just going out of control wasn't it there at that point yeah, but, yeah. It, i mean we had probably in the region of three to four thousand applications from women wanting to be featured yeah. and towards the end of the project people started to say to us this should be a book can yeah. we make the blog into a book so we launched a kickstarter campaign and we raised ten thousand uh, uk pounds in 17 days yeah um, which was fantastic and then we used that money to self-publish the all the books in a single volume the stories yeah the, sorry yeah. all the stories in a single volume single yeah. book um, yeah, and then we got the amazing news that we've been nominated for Best Blog of 2020 through the Single Mums Business Network. And uh, a week ago, we found out we'd won. Yeah, we'd won it. <laughs> so that's amazing. So that was incredible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, super, super uh, proud of, of the project. But it, it, it just wouldn't have been possible without the, the contributors, without the people who actually came forward who, who uh, wanted to share their story. And for them to put, to put themselves in our hands, as it were, for us to have that responsibility to tell their story, which, you know, obviously we took with the utmost um, care and, and compassion and then to do it with full approval. So no story went live without um, it being fully consented to, etc. you know, the content and everything. So we were quite proud of the fact that it, it's a world first, what we've actually done. Yeah, um, nobody's, we don't believe anybody's no, ever done that before. No, with the concept that we had, the whole thing of the exact word count and the way that we went about doing it. And um, we just wanted it to be something celebratory, wanted it to be diverse and inclusive. And we just wanted to be able to show people that you can do it. I mean, literally, the, the clue is in the name, she can. We wanted yeah. people to know, especially women who we'd had this experience of hearing, you know, who would want to hear about me. We just we just felt like we needed to make a statement. We wanted to show show women around around the UK that you, what you do um, is really really important. It's special. Turning up every day, making a difference, and to be honest with you, it's completely changed myself and Michelle from um, a personal uh, standpoint. I, I mean, in terms of how it affected us doing it, 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 it was a journey for us to to do it. To hear every day incredible stories of inspiration, of resilience triumph over diversity, the reasons why these women had gotten had, had gone self-employed, some of them were for financial reasons, personal reasons, health reasons, you name it. It really did run the gamut of, of basically everything and anything that life could throw at you. These women had gone through it to various degrees mm -hmm. and different extents. And the thing that united all of them was, was certainly resilience. Yeah, and, um, that was the one common trait because we yeah. just thought for so the reasons why women had gone into business and the challenges that they had faced, a lot, um, oftentimes it was related to 
significant life events. Mm. Um, there was a lot of uh, ladies in there who'd had fertility issues or mental health difficulties or long-term health problems. And honestly, mm. it's like we call it a daily dose of inspiration. And we very much felt like we were almost be- being privately coached every yeah. single day because yeah. it, it really kind of built up our reserves of resilience. And then when the whole world went into the coronavirus pandemic, and our business completely changed overnight. Yeah. Um, we were able to kind of really take inspiration from all those ladies that we'd spoken to and the challenges they faced and take that energy to help us move forward positively as well. And it's it's yeah. just been the most, the biggest blessing that yeah. we could ever have, have wished for to have had the opportunity to deliver that campaign. We feel very thankful that we did we it did. because I think it did prepare us I mean, for, for what happened with the lockdown. I mean, the product based on, on the 8th of March, and then 2020. We went to and then UK lockdown, I think it was the 17th. Something, something like, like that. that. Three, yeah. Two or three weeks later, we'd gone into, into the first uh, national lockdown. So to have had that project behind us, I think, and to be able to kind of draw upon that that well of, of, of um, resilience and the things I mentioned, to know that people have been turning up in the world as they have done, and to keep showing up and do what they do every day to make a difference. That was all the inspiration that we needed when when things became difficult for our our business to be able to turn it on its head and think, okay, here's our opportunity. To, here's our opportunity now to turn up in a different way and start doing what we continue to feel yeah. passionate about, which kind of brings us right up to date with the likes of doing the free five day challenge and, and, and that type of thing as well. Mm. It's perception, isn't it? And perception is such a powerful tool. Uh, I mean, I, I, I say this to our listeners and to, to my coaching clients almost on a daily basis, which is, you know, if you're faced with a problem and you ask six people who are in that defeatist mindset around you, you're going to be told that there isn't an answer and it's impossible. Um, you know, the example I quite often use is, you know, if you're earning fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 a year and somebody says to you, you've got to make a million dollars this year. You know that seems like a massive task, and you ask everyone else around you who are also earning fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, "Hey, can I earn a million dollars this year?" They're going to go, "No, there's no way you can earn a million dollars. Like maybe a hundred, but like there's no way you're going to make a million, you know." But then you go and speak to six or seven multimillionaires and billionaires and say, "Hey, can I make a million dollars this year?" It's like, well, yeah, obviously you could do that in a few months if you really wanted to, and. It's that dose of inspiration, isn't it? It's the it's very easy to have the news on twenty four seven and see all the negative things that are happening and think, oh, we're doomed. It's all we're all going, we're all heading off a cliff. But if you're listening to people who, you know, they've been through ill health or they've been through these real serious challenges that you know you're still able bodied, you're able mind. Yes, okay, we're locked in our own house, but at least we have a house to live in. At least we have somewhere to stay. So we have all of these things in our favor. It's it's almost difficult to throw yourself a pity party, isn't it, when there's people who've had faced much worse and come out the other side. I'm really glad that you've said that, Phil, because that, that's exactly it in a nutshell. And the fact that the project, it's, it's completely nonfiction. So every story in there is a true story. There's something really powerful to that. So people who have read the book contacted us and said, I have been able to completely reevaluate my life because I looked at, you know, this lady on day 200 or whatever and, They've done something that I've dreamt about doing, but always thought that it was it, it was beyond my reach. Or there's a person there who maybe has the same health condition as somebody else, and they've thought, right, I've now got an insight into how I can manage that differently. So no, you're 100% right. I mean, perception is reality. And depending on, on where you take that perception from 
can inform and ultimately change how you then go about approaching it. And for us, certainly in our experience, as I'm sure it's been the case for many people who were affected um, by the initial lockdown and have, have continued to make changes all over the world, how you go about doing things can very much depend on where you take that from. Yeah, and mindset is everything. Mindset is that. everything. And like Helen Pritchard, who yeah. hosted the project, she was the first person we interviewed on day one. And looking back, she was like, I'm setting this goal to make a hundred, uh, to make 1 million sales orders in 12 months. And like looking back, now she's accomplished she's, that she's goal. But at, yeah, at the yeah. beginning of the project, it was something that she was aspiring to do. And you can see that because we've kept in touch with everybody in the project, we can see how their businesses have evolved over the course of the past 12 months. But that ties in nicely with, the, um, the challenge that we're offering in at the moment, which is five days to pitch the press. Yeah, the free challenge. Yeah. The free challenge, because it's now is the time when, as a business owner, you need to step up. If something is going well in your business or you have a positive message to share, other people in the business community need to hear that. They need to hear that yes, times are troubling. Yes, the economic situation is difficult. Yes, um, there, there are many, many more challenges to come over the coming weeks and months. But there are people out there who are finding creative ways to push through the challenges that we are all facing. So if you have had even the smallest, the tiniest piece of good news, please, please, I beg of you to share that because keeping it to yourself, A, reduces your own visibility and B, it prevents somebody else from feeling inspired to keep pushing through these difficult times. Yeah. Well, what what makes it seem like a, a small victory to you could be a complete life changer for another. Yeah. Car, car, I mean, we, we've we've literally seen it firsthand. We have spoken to people who have read pieces in a newspaper or um, have have looked at a broadcast on television, the person talking, and it's completely ripped up their real book. It's yeah. given them that that license and that freedom to think. I'm ready. I am now ready to do something different. I now want to begin to do something that I feel at this moment in my life I have to do. I now feel equipped to do it. I feel ready to do it. I'm motivated to do it. That person who I look up to has already gone and done it. Why can't I follow them and do something about it? So we cannot stress that enough to, to the people who were who were tuning in. I think there's there's definitely an element as well of of getting out of your own head and thinking about what, what is going to be helpful for, for other people. And, and this is uh, something that you actually sparked actually on your challenge and something that I've been working through with um, a lot of my mentors recently um, is that I don't really talk about like my upbringing, my childhood very often, mostly because I didn't see the relevance of it. Uh, I I understand how it's impacted how I do business and why I network with people and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't kind of ever appreciate that it might actually be important for other people to know that. Um, and then as I started to share it more and more, so it actually came about because of you, genuinely. I pitched somebody and I was talking to them and they were like, so tell me about your childhood. And I was like, what about my childhood? And his exact words were, ooh, the story's here. I can hear it in the tone of tonality of the voice change. Like, talk to me about this. And I was like, it wasn't the, the greatest time. He's like, just, you know, hi, you know, high-level overview it then. And I was like, okay, single parent on benefits, in and out of the care system, drugs, crime, expelled from three schools, um, like domestic violence at home, 
not a great time. Like I, everything I have was because I started off at rock bottom and, and the way that I got out of that was if I networked with other people in the care system or other people who'd been kicked out of school, that was going to be the rest of my life. I was destined to, for, for that. But even from a very young age, I realized that if I associate myself with really successful self-made people, like the person that I want to become, I'm going to learn the lessons that I need to learn from them. I'm going to see which, which decisions they made. And I, you know, I developed some great mentors even from a very early age. And he was like, so that's why you teach it in your business then? I was like, that's exactly why I teach it in my business. And his exact words kind of made me feel a bit silly, actually. He said, have you never thought of telling people this? It might actually be kind of important. Um, like, it's very relevant. He said, and people are going to take inspiration from the fact that, you know, you had a number of you know, I had two suicide attempts when I was a, a young child, like one just before I was a teenager and one when I was 13. And people are saying, you know, to share those stories and say to people, this is where I was and, and like it was a really dark situation, but this is where I am now and this is who I'm working with and this is the things that we have and the things that we do actually gives that story more power. But I, ne I never, ever would have thought of it that way. If it wasn't for you and if it wasn't for that conversation with that journalist and then later conversations with other people, I didn't see the relevance of it. I didn't see why, why would it be important to talk about all that nonsense that happened when I was younger when it's nothing to do with like what I'm doing in my business today. But actually, it's those stories that inspire people. It's those stories, that, as you say, that story just reaches one person who is in a really dark place right now wondering whether they're ever going to get out of this to hear, well, actually, that story is really similar to mine. And if this is the life that you're living now, I could do that too then it was it was worthwhile doing so that's why i share that story now with you and with other people you know i still feel a little bit funny sharing it but I, I i push through that with the intention of if it reaches the right person at the right time and it helps them then it was worthwhile me sharing that story and more importantly if anybody ever does i mean everyone always has a fear don't they like what if people think less of me as a result of this my honest answer is nobody ever has to this point like it's always been the opposite um but if anybody ever did feel like, well, I don't want to work with him because he was in the social care system and came from a troubled childhood, then you're not this person I should be working with anyway. That's so right. yeah. just on a favor, really. And what you're describing there, Philip, is a massively inspirational. Yeah. I'm so happy you have found the courage to Me share too. that. And and credit for that. Honestly, it's not easy to do that. And anybody who's got any kind of difficult background does struggle with it. But I think um, what you're describing is connecting authentically. You're, you're sharing something of you and that will connect authentically with other people who either recognize something of their own life experience in what you have to say or think this is a person who I want to cheerlead and champion and work with because I can see what this means to them. And every time you tell that story, you have the potential to change someone's life. And um, I share the example of a lady called Lisa, who did our challenge as well. She'd come through three serious suicide attempts. Um, and on the very last occasion, she went to a train station with the intention of taking her life at the train station. And the train was cancelled. And she was like, I can't even get that right. But that week, she finally connected with a therapist um, and that therapist turned her life around and then she went on to train in the therapy that had been so um, instrumental for her and she told her story in her local newspaper 
somebody read that and they identified with her um, with the anxiety and depression that she'd been suffering with and they came under her care and now they are literally thriving because they are able to benefit from the therapy that she offers and that's changed that person's life that that person's partner their friends and family and this is the beautiful ripple that you can set off when you choose to tell your story and it's not something to feel shameful of or or guilty about and you're not trying to like monetize your life journey it's nothing like yeah, that not sensationalizing not it or sensationalizing doing it, it using it in some kind of you know garish way or anything like that it's, it's actually there purely to motivate and to inspire and to inform people educate people yeah it, it, here's where things have been but here's where where it where it can be where it can go um yeah, I mean, in, in Lisa's case, it, I mean, it genuinely it brought a tear to our eye when 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 we heard that um, Lisa telling her story. Not only were we so proud of her for sharing it to begin with and gaining that coverage that she wanted to gain, but then to have them people come under her wing that needed her at that precise moment. Yeah, that's literally proven to become a, a life saving scenario, and we're so proud of her because she's she's doing the work that the work of another helped her to overcome her her um, challenges and issues and now she's paying that forward by you know training in that in, in her own in her own right and now doing it for other people and that, that that to me is just a magnificent human human in, that, that's basically yeah, humanity coming it's together human. in, its, in its purest form for me and you, you can ask yourself if the question how do I get in the press feels uncomfortable for you you can re- reframe that as how do I pay something forward what have I got in my background that I want to pay forward to potentially ease someone else's pathway through life? And if that reframe helps you to push through the mental blocks around sharing a personal story, then then great. The end result is the same, but perhaps that's the point of comfort you can arrive at with taking that decision to talk about what you have been, in fact been through. I think that's such a lovely way of looking at it, isn't it? Because I, I guess there is an element of, you know, when you ask yourself the question, how do I get in the press? There's an element of the that ego monster comes up and it's like, should I really be doing this? Whereas, you know, if it was a case of, you know, what story can you share that could potentially help somebody else and you pay it forward? You're never going to have the ego come out about that because it's about helping somebody else. It's about paying that forward and giving that to somebody else. But And you're right, the, the, the end result may be the same. But e- even... I'm not even sure that's true, actually. I think you're probably going to have more success going into this if you're genuinely trying to give something to help and empower other people. It's like I have this conversation about podcasting all the time. People say to me, like, "What? how come only 10% of podcasters make money and, and the rest don't? And my answer is always quite simple, which is the ones that are authentic and are all about value add they're always the ones that are profitable. The ones where you you have another agenda and that's, I want to become famous or, uh, you know, I just want to have my voice out there or I want to have a podcast just so I can say I have a podcast or I want to get to number one on iTunes, even though I'm not that interested in my listeners. They're the ones who struggle to make money from it because if you're authentic and genuine, people will invest in that. People come along for the journey. They, they get involved with that. And I love the fact that you, Michelle used the word authenticity because that's, that's the word that I've been podcasting for 10 years now. And that's the word that I keep at the heart of everything that we do. I want it to be authentic, which is why you know, we've had offers of having big guests on the show 
PR companies have come, I mean, we get this a lot, but PR companies come and occasionally you'll get a guest and it's like, you can only ask them this, this or this, and you can't talk to them about this, this or this. And I always say no to those people because my attitude is, that's not authentic. You're interviewing yourself at that point. Like I want to be able to do as we did at the beginning. I want to be able to go down a rabbit hole. You know, imagine trying to plan that. You're, like, you're trying to talk to like a, a top, a top coach in the world. It's like so. So I just to clarify, I can't talk about trying to avoid American serial killers by going to parties you're invited to. We we can't discuss. Yeah. That. I mean, there's going to be a long list of things that we're not allowed to talk about. <laughs> Maybe um, it's yeah, it's because um, our, our entire career has been dedicated to being authentic. You know, we started out as reporters. We took our responsibilities as all you know, as reporters worth the soul do. You, you, you're there to inform, to educate. You're there to be to be neutral, to be objective, not to judge, to always offer balance. Um, so we did that throughout our careers and then respectively when we got into PR with Michelle working in the public sector and myself going into the private sector again although there is more of an agenda going one way because you're there to protect and enhance the reputation of your employer you're still learning very very valuable lessons about how to present the information how to frame it and do it in the correct way so for us to everything that you've just said there about how you select people that you talk yeah. to because it has to be about authenticity, could not ring any truer with myself and Michelle because that's precisely the criteria that we're looking for when we choose to work with people as a PR consultancy. We want to work with people that are authentic. We want to work with people that understand that it's, it's the, the correct way to be, that it's important to try and help people to share your knowledge and wisdom and do it in the right way. So it's magnificent for me personally to hear that in the 10 years you've been doing what you're doing, Phil, that that is your ethos to make sure that people that come onto your platform are are um, respectful of what you ex- of what you expect from them. And then in return, you will give them their, their due consideration. So I think it's the best way to do things. Definitely. I really, really do. And I think as well, that's the secret to being globally successful, okay, as well. It's about thinking about what connects us. And basically what connects us is that sense of humanity, that sense of authenticity. Um, it doesn't matter who you speak to or where they live. If you can connect with them in a human way and find some common ground and both of you walk away from that interaction having moved one step further in your life journey, then that is a beautiful and a positive thing. And that's why we encourage people to tell stories from a point of authenticity because that is where the true connection lies. No, I love that. Look, we're, we've come to the end of the interview. We're very close to I can't believe how much time has flown. Before we go, um, I mean, we, we just have to come back. We'll just do a series of these shows. Um, <laughs> so you, you'll still be, you'll, you'll be the second and third interview for Warringtonians as well. <laughs> um, Thank you. I've got nothing against people from Warrington, by the way. I make it sound like I don't like my own people. It's been a real pleasure to have you here. How can people get involved with the next challenge? When is the next challenge? Yeah, How do they find it? So, drum roll, we can yeah. reveal officially. Yeah, yeah. so the, um, the next challenge starts on Monday, the 30th of November. So that's confirmed. Um, and yeah. that is a five-day challenge, and that runs through to Friday, the 4th of December. Yeah. It's completely free, no cost involved whatsoever. All that happens is we set you a daily task. You go away and work on it in your own time. And by the end of the week, you will have a fully written pitch ready to send off to a real life reporter of your choice with a story that is truly newsworthy attached to it 
Um, and if anybody wants to sign up for the challenge or find out more about it, if you head over to our website, which is www.writeontime, and write is spelled W-R-I-T-E, writeontime.co.uk, there will be a link there where people can sign up. And you can also find us on Facebook at Write On Time UK as well. No, absolutely love that. Um, before we move on to the book, because I want to let people know how they can get get hold of the book as well. Um, I'm just thinking, about if, if you haven't got on your website when you go on an automatic song of black boxes right on time, <laughs> just, just that one <laughs> bit, just negotiating copyright, I yeah, would think, we permission. Need to. But no, I would love to do that. I mean, um, yeah, I'm glad you've mentioned that, Phil, because, yeah, we did come up with the name right on time. As our, as our own little tribute to the classic... Uh, UK black, black, Yeah, number one. Number um, one. Yeah, yeah, number one hit. I think it might be, just a bit of useless trivia, might be incorrect if there's any music fans listening. I think it might have been the last number one of the 80s, I think, in the Ooh. UK. Because it was 89, I think, going into... I might be wrong about that. But anyway, for us, it's a great a great track. Very rousing, classic, and we we just wanted a um, a name for our company that that definitely brought that uh, that particular song to mind. We thought right on time was uh, something that yeah. it, it defines who we are as well. And also, we are so deadline driven because you have to be in the press, so that's why you have to write yeah. it on time. You have to write on time. <laughs> yeah, and the name of our challenge, by the way, is uh, five days to pitch to the press. Yeah, five days to pitch to the press. I tell you what, you could do, uh, Christian, if you're worried about copyright, you could you could sing it on karaoke. And then you can message the lead singer of Black Box and be like, listen, we are torturing uh, our, our customers here. Can we please use your version? Yeah, <laughs> try, try and cover it. I think it'd be more like a Johnny Cash or quite a deep <laughs> version. I don't know if I can quite hit that. Um, that's a hell of a false Get, get some helium balloons in and you'll be fine. be <laughs> okay then, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Look, how can people get hold of a copy of the book as well? Because it, it, it sounds really inspirational. And, and how can they make their way to their blog and all this kind of stuff as well? So if you literally just go to shecan365.com. That's, that's .com, yeah. Shecan365.com. There's a link to the book on there. And you can just see our, you know, our stories free of charge. Feel free to have a browse through and see what resonates with you. Yeah. We currently have both hardback and paperback copies available of the book. Awesome. Who's doing the voice for the audiobook? That's going to be Michelle. Yeah. yeah we want someone like, like Joanna Lumley or someone like Stephen Fry oh, or Stephen Fry. Martin Jarvis. <laughs> oh, no, actually, no. I've, I've just thought who I want it to be. Go on. I want it to be Matt Berry. Matt Berry, the British comedian. Yeah. Three, six, five. Three, six, five, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we need a lady. She can. Yeah, that's true. So that would, um, yeah, Joanna Lumley. Joanna yeah, Lumley. She's got. Yeah, she's got a lovely voice, doesn't she? She has, yeah. We need to think about this. Dame, 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 the can of worms. Dame Judy Dench. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, great question, that, Phil. I think about that all the time. I absolutely love it. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. I've, I've really, really enjoyed this. And, uh, you know, I, I, thank you for, for everything I learned in your course as well. I mean, genuinely, it's, it's had a, a big, big impact. And it's, it's, I think, one of the great things that I always find about um, programs and courses is it's not just the work that you do during that time it's the change in your thought process and mentality that it has moving forward and i think that's always the test of a of a of a good program a good course is that you can 
a year, two years, three years down the line, come back and pinpoint that was the moment my mentality changed because I used to think this and now I believe this. Um, and yes, yeah, so thank you so much. And I, I highly recommend any of the listeners, no matter where you are, you go and check out that challenge uh, at the end of this month. That's really exciting. Oh, thank you, Phil. Thank you so Can much, we just say thank you so much for welcoming us on? You know, it's been a real pleasure to speak with you. And it's honestly just been such a pleasure as yeah. well to see you make progress with your press coverage. And we know that there's plenty more coming down the road for you as well. Definitely. Super proud. Yeah. No, I really appreciate that. Genuinely, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, this is this is not goodbye. This is cheerio for now. I'm looking forward to doing more work with you in the future. So thank you both very very much for your time. Um, to all of our listeners listening on Inspire Radio or indeed on our podcast Billionaires in Boxers, I really do hope that you took an awful lot away from this. And uh, take care until next time. This is Billionaires in Boxers, empowering one billion entrepreneurs, one podcast at a time.